open yourself up to the idea that absolutely every challenge, everything that you're experiencing is happening because there is something to be learnt from it. The Good People Effect is something very special that happens when we surround ourselves with the right people to help us grow. The show is based on three main pillars, which are creativity, adventure, and purposeful living. My intention is to create positive momentum in the direction of real human growth, and I believe by taking a glimpse into the lives and minds of good people through deep conversations, we have the opportunity to open ourselves up to immense growth that can be later injected back into this crazy world. This is more than just another podcast. It's an energy of intentional growth that's been manifested from the beauty of the creative spirit, the call for adventure, and the power of purposeful living. It's a tool for growth, and it's accessible for all of those that are open to listen. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Good People Effect podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Any first-time listeners out there, massive high five to you guys. Thanks for taking a chance on the show. The show's all about diving deep into conversations, sharing experiences, and finding those awesome humans out there to surround you with to really help you on your own journey of growth. So if that's something that you're into, then keep your ears listening because I've got some good stuff for you here today. That little message at the beginning of the show is a potent piece of information. I'm just trying this out. I think it's a kind of a cool thing to do. So that was from Lisa Congdon, an established artist who's worked for you know Harvard University, MoMA, Facebook. She's done um, art for a lot of different big brands and she's also written eight books on creativity and art. So she knows what she's talking about. We spoke about finding your inner voice, your creative inner voice and you know inspiration and authenticity and that kind of thing. So if you're into creativity and you should be into creativity if you listen to this show, then please feel free to check that episode out. Uh, this week's episode's a very special one though. I've got a special guest, Ryan Hunter. A couple of years ago, a couple of mates of mine went out into the Blue Mountains and we met Ryan. He was our canyoning guide for the day. So he took us into the crevices of the earth, deep into the Blue Mountains in Australia and we saw some amazing wildlife, flora and fauna and he, this guy just knew everything about every plant. So I just thought to myself, I have to get him on the show. So we're going to be talking about canyoning, which is an extreme sport. If you've never done canyoning before, then you should definitely check this episode out if you want to know what it's about. Or if you're you know, uh, an experienced canyoneer, then this one's definitely for you as well. We're going to be talking about some of the world's most beautiful canyons. We're going to get some recommendations from Ryan and hear some of his crazy adventurous stories and a little bit about his journey. Uh, but yeah. So we may as well get into the show. Before we do though, I just want to throw this out there. I am relaunching the show. I am building a tribe together. So if you're interested in becoming part of the tribe and receiving a monthly newsletter with heaps of good stuff, free online courses, I'm thinking about putting together specialized reading lists, um, you know, little vlogs that adventures that I'm up to as well as potent pieces of information for the show that I believe can really help you on your growth journey then please consider subscribing to the tribe. Head over to goodpeopleeffect.com if you haven't already and just check it out. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in the Blue Mountains, uh, in the lower Blue Mountains, a little town called Blacksland. Um, it was really simple growing up with lots of lots of mates that were in the bush. Uh, we all, always used to run around and have fun. Uh, I had one particular mate who was right into reptiles and me and him used to get around and try to find all the weird and wonderful stuff. Um, which really gave me a 
good sense of how to actually identify species because it's really good to know how to identify reptiles and especially snakes if you're going to go around and get close to them. Um, so that was sort of where it all started. And from there, it just progressed. I found myself going into the bush with field guides, trying to find out as much as I could about the fauna and flora. Uh, reptiles moved on to birds, moved on to mammals. Another good friend of mine and I used to get around at nighttime with spotlights and try to find all the really animals that were out at nighttime. The nocturnal animals were very interesting and very hard to find. It just added an extra element to finding animals, identifying species. And then that moved into wanting to know about what these animals are doing. You know, you've got the gliding marsupials and, you know, why, why they would need to glide. Um, what the actual attributes that they have that allow them to glide. Um, and then also, you know, the different calls that they used to make, it was just everything was really, really interesting. So that was the next stage. Um, after that, I started to get right into canyoning and that sort of took off from there. And what I could do with canyoning was mix a sense of adventure with actually being out in the outdoors and like seeing nature and being able to just you know have fun and be close to that wildlife as well so that sort of took charge when i was sort of in my late in my early 20s and yeah it just progressed it got you know everything it's like a, a search for knowledge it's like you're always finding things um you're you're always learning things. There's, there's not much out there that is already, that's sort of like found and known. We sort of, we've always can adapt and always can find different uh, animals, plants, uh, then the, the geology of the areas, there's the ecology, there's, you know, different environments. Um, and it all just ties into each other. And it's just super, super interesting for me. And I guess, yeah, that's adding that sense of adventure with actually being able to observe and be close to wildlife and nature itself. It was just super interesting for me. So, you were doing this from a young age, you're running around, mucking around, trying to find uh, what reptiles, lizards, snakes. So you were like looking, looking for snakes when you were a kid. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, mainly in my early teenage years, I started to get into that. When I was young, I always loved Steve Irwin documentaries. Uh, I was watching David Attenborough from an early age. Um, I've got a you know a collection of VHS videos of you know about a hundred or so videos of just documentaries. I used to sit down a little kid. I've watched every single one of them. And when you're super interested in something, I guess it's like anyone, you tend to retain the information. Um, when, you know, especially when you're super passionate about the, the topic and yeah, just, it all just went on from there and I'm always been in the bush, always loved the bush. So yeah, it was just a super great way to spend your youth. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Cause it, like I said earlier, a lot of kids these days, are, or a lot of people these days, but kids as well, growing up in this generation, there's so much, you know, stimulation that comes from the internet, YouTube videos, uh, video games, computer, computer games, and, you know, just all Netflix, all these things that kind of keep kids inside. And it's interesting that back in the day in the bush, you grew up outside and, and you kind of learnt the ways of the land. 
from the very beginning and that inspired you to to live a life of adventure and, and kind of make you know nature a part of your life and a part of your way that you make a living so i think that's that's fascinating how'd you get so how'd you get from that to canyoning though like where was the link and what first kind of brought you into that world uh i guess it's just a natural progression like i spent a lot of time in the bush and we in the lower mountains we don't have all the cliffs and the canyons and stuff like that that you do in the upper mountains and i grew out right in that lower more hilly terrain more open woodland and we would try to make our own fun we'd climb the little bluffs that we could find we'd climb trees we'd run down the hills as fast as we can and you know the blue mountains there's lots of little cliffs and caves so as you're running down the ground might drop away from you and you've got to sort of maybe jump some little <laughs> some little drops and that and so we always had that little inkling of adventure and excitement when we're in the bush so as I got older, I had a friend that got into bushland regeneration and he met a guy that was a, a canyoner and he decided to take me out one day. And we actually did Empress Canyon, which is the most popular canyon in Australia. Um, went down and I had no skills. I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, I, it was super fun. To be honest, it was more of just an introductory to canyoning. Um, it was a friend of a friend that took us out and... It was it was pretty loose. Like I I didn't have a wetsuit, like a proper wetsuit, a prop like I had a harness. I didn't really have a helmet. Um, and we went and did a thirty meter abseil with fifty meter rope. So the ropes were a bit short. So um, yeah, we sort of had to make it up as we went. And these are like really early days. We're talking like twelve years ago. Um, this sounds sketchy as. It was quite sketchy growing up because. My friend and I, we didn't really have any people to take us out or show us the ropes properly, and the people that we did know were making it up as they, they went as well. So me and um, my friend, we we were, after that, I went and bought a little bit of gear and a 60-meter rope, cut it in half, and just started going down different canyons and trying to find out how we went. So for the first six years of canyoning, like we just progressed slowly, learnt little bits and pieces, learnt little tricks, um, until I actually started doing my outdoor recreation course and I met some people that were a lot more, you know, into the bush and had grown up and were a bit more adventurous. Uh, a lot of um, my mentors in my TAFE course uh, taught me a lot about the roping sides of things and the skills, how to stay safe and different techniques. And then once I become a became a guide, that all progressed again. So um, met people that were like right into it, loved, loved the adventure side of the outdoors. And we basically just fast tracked our skills very, very quickly over a very short time. Um, and then after that, we started to move into different types of canyoning, traveling to alpine areas, learning about high water techniques, um, and then doing adventure canyons up in the, up in the Northern Wallamai where we don't really have anchors and they're very rarely visited. So you're um, learning new techniques for that. And it all just, you know, compiled lots of different information, lots of different types of canyoning. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was just a, you know, a really fast-track thing after that first six years of canyoning. Um, we learned so much in such a short period of time. And it was a really, you know, great learning curve. I, I really love the fact that we did do it the dodgy way back in the day because it allowed us to know 
what to do. And we got away with a lot of stuff because we were quite confident we'd spent a lot of time in the bush. So we didn't really get ourselves into trouble. The thing is we didn't know how to get ourselves out of trouble if we did get in trouble, but that, that was fine. We, um, so there was a little to, bit of luck involved then. Uh, I wouldn't say so much luck. Um, like we were. And you guys we, were respecting where you were in nature and you were still giving the proper respect not to kind of go too far yeah, at the same exactly. time. Yeah, we Because I know when you do get into those sticky situations, it can that canyoning is quite a dangerous thing to do and you need to treat it with that respect. Yeah, but you'll find the Blue Mountains is quite a, a good area to cut your teeth and learn how to canyon because technically they're not hard canyons. Um, so you can get away with a lot. There's not too much high water. The, in the guidebook, there is a canyoning guidebook called Canyons Near Sydney and most of the canyons close to civilization uh, have a little bit of infrastructure in there. So things are already set up. If you know how to thread a rope and then put it onto your, put it onto your device, you can, you can basically go canyoning. So tell me, tell me for, for all these guys out there that don't know what canyoning is, uh, what is canyoning? Can you take me through it on a kind of basic level? Uh, so canyoning is basically the skill of, Moving through a watercourse, uh, there's like you can imagine watercourses are a road. Um, they can be slippery, and they can be little drops and jumps. And there's pools. They can be wet. They can be dry. Um, and you just have to negotiate whatever obstacle you get into. Now, what we do is what's called slot canyoning. So slot canyoning is when you're walking into a terrain that's narrower than its height. So some canyons can be quite narrow. You can even have to take your bag off to squeeze through them sideways, and they can be quite tall, up to 40 metres, 50 metres tall. So um, no escape. So I suppose that's the the real excitement about the sport is once you commit yourself into the environment, you have to deal with whatever obstacle you come across, whether it's an abseil or a rock jump, a slide, um, long swim. Sometimes you might have to squeeze through narrow narrow sections. And mm-hmm. yeah. And have you done much canyoning around the world or pretty much most of your canyoning has been within the Blue Mountains within Australia? Uh, no, we've actually ventured out to the European Alps a couple of times, um, canyoning oh, nice. in southern Switzerland and Italy. Uh, different different world out there. That's, uh, that's more. Where'd you go over there? A little town called Ticino is the main place we've been visiting. It's a really world-renowned canyoning area. It's got some of the nicest slots in the world, but it's also got some of the, like, some really high-moving water. What you'll find is in an alpine area, the canyons will be actually fed by glaciers or snow melts up on top of the high peaks. And when you move into that summer period, the snow's melting into that canyon and they're moving down, the water's moving down the system quite fast. So it's what we call whitewater canyoning. Um, and what happens with that is because the canyons are quite steep, you're getting quite big obstacles, quite big jumps. The rock's really smooth. You, you're mainly moving through igneous rock, which is volcanic rock, and it's quite hard. Um, so when you can get into some of these waterfalls, you can actually use them as natural water slides. It's really, really fun. Um, yeah, I was doing some of that stuff in Switzerland. Went to this – I can't remember how to pronounce it, but it was in Interlaken, in a, a chili schlei or something like that. Oh, yeah, and- she's Lira. 
Yeah, I think that's the one. And it was amazing because the water slides through the mountains. It kind of carved out kind of this this hole or this slide through the mountains. You, you put your arms up and in and, and you just kind of fly through the middle of the mountain. It was crazy. And I've never been anywhere. Actually, that was probably my favorite, like one of my favorite experiences besides the one that, you know, I went out with you on a couple of years ago. And that was just incredible. Um, so that happens in more of those glacier areas with the volcanic rock is what you're saying. Yeah, and the just the high flow area. Like that's a that's a really nice canyon, the one that you did. It's uh it's got some really nice features, some really nice water slides. Um, but it is what you'll typically find in those alpine canyons, especially around the, the southern Switzerland area, Interlaken. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very really. different from that one we did because we did Butterbox together and that was that was very different but that was uh, equally as rewarding I think if not more because I remember going deep into into Butterbox and then the hike out was kind of part of the adventure as well when there was that, yeah, I think yeah. I remember there being like <laughs> this rock climb and then behind you is just this amazing view and you're just on the edge of this cliff. Um, that was incredible and you, were, I think you were telling me on the, t- on the day that there was there was more like more canyons in the Blue Mountains that were just as beautiful, if not more. You know, with glowworms, and I think you mentioned Empress earlier. Um, so, I mean, Australia has got a lot to offer, doesn't it? It does. Those the canyons we have up in the Blue Mountains. What you got to realize is the Blue Mountains isn't actually a mountain. It's a elevated plateau that's been dissected by water, and it's moving through the sedimentary rocks that have basically been fractured. There's these big joints running up the rocks and water's been moving through those joints and eroding them out over millions of years. And mainly when we've had different permeable glacial periods of ice ages and the snow's been melting through those canyons, they tend to get quite violent with water and erode them out very quickly. So the canyons are quite different and they're, they're more known for their beauty. They're a lot more horizontal. Um, they do have quite what quite nice drops like the canyon we did was Butterbox and it's one of those more exciting trips that you'll get along the Blue Mountains Plateau um, but then it's it's more about the the nature and the beauty and the scenery in Blue Mountains Canyons they've got those big twisty walls um, some of them have just amazing fern and rainforest life in them and then the next little <laughs> the next great thing about them is they're not the easiest ones to get in and out of. They tend to be quite remote and like you would have experienced just to get out of that canyon, we had to move up through the cliff line, break different passes and actually rock climb different um, certain areas and the views are just so rewarding. Like It doesn't matter where you are, you turn around, there's always a great view, something to look at when you're canyoning through the Blue Mountains. So I think that's one of the main um, things that you know inspires you to go out and adventure different areas in this local area anyway it's just it's so beautiful out there yeah it was incredible i remember it was definitely a bit of a hike to get out we were talking about it afterwards because we, yeah we were all three of us were struggling quite a bit i was with eads i don't know if you remember there was me jay and eads and eads was the one with the tattoos and and jay was her partner and, and it was uh, myself and you on that trip and then just to get out was just that massive uphill battle but it was a challenge and that was like something really rewarding when we got to the top we got to kind of experience those views and i think that's kind of the rewarding part about doing hikes or doing you know canyons you feel like a, a sense of like a bit of like a reward afterwards like you've really accomplished something 
Hope you guys are enjoying this chat with Ryan. I know I am. I'm just going to play you a little bit of music right now just to break up the show a little bit. And if you haven't had the chance already, feel free to check out goodpeopleeffect.com. It's my new website. I'm relaunching the show, trying to build a tribe together so that I can really help you on your journey of growth. So what I want to be doing is throwing up resources from the shows once a month into a newsletter, throwing that your way, and hopefully that can kind of help accelerate your growth. I'm going to be putting together online free video courses for the tribe members, exclusively for tribe members. I'm also going to be putting together uh, special reading lists, recommended reading from guests, potent pieces of information, uh, quick guides, all this kind of good stuff, free giveaways, contests, plenty of good stuff. Not going to spam you. It's only going to be once a month. Uh, so please consider checking out the website, goodpeopleeffect.com. All the information will be on there. Uh, but yeah. It's definitely something that, you know, makes it worthwhile is if you put in a bit of effort to actually get your get your reward. And it's very typical out there with what we do in the mountains is you go down into the canyon and you have lots of fun and then you have to earn your reward after you've had the fun. So getting out of the canyons is generally where you're sort of earning what you've done in the morning as opposed to, you know, something like a rock climb where you climb up a mountain and it, you know, you're getting your reward, but you're putting in the effort at the same time. Do you feel like there's some connection? Do you feel like there's a connection between that, the idea of that and uh, in, in life as well? Like sometimes you need to be able to put in the effort and kind of pay your dues or put the effort in up front so that you can, you can kind of reap the rewards later as well. Yeah, I think. It's it's definitely one of those things where you just it's great to be able to 
go out and just like really put in as much as you can. And sometimes, you know, it's hard out there. Like it's definitely hard sometimes and you just have to sort of knuckle down. It's not going to get any easier in the bush. Um, you, it takes a certain attitude and it, sometimes it takes, you know, you've got to be able to develop that attitude to be able to move through those terrains and actually enjoy the big slogs and the hike outs. If you're not enjoying it, then then why are you there in the first place? So you sort of learn to, you know, shape your mind in a way that it needs to be able to deal with those situations, but still just be right there in the moment and be present and enjoy what you're doing. You're not thinking about how hard this walk's going to be. You're thinking about how enjoying, how much enjoyment you're actually getting out of it as you're moving through the environment. And that's why you would have noticed when I'm moving through the bush, I'm stopping and I'm looking at plants and I'm looking at, you know, the rocks and the geology. And I sort of try to put myself right there. So I know, so I'm, so I'm actually like present as I'm moving through tough places. It's, it's, you know, you get your rewards, it's tough, but it's all there. You you just got to look around and have a have a look. You can, I really believe that you have to put yourself in the moment, be present, and just enjoy what you're doing, even though it's tough. It's not going to get any easier. You just have to knuckle down and just exactly and realize that you're in, you know, you're in this beautiful place and have that appreciation, have that gratitude for Mother Nature, and kind of take all of that in as you're going through it. Because I feel like that helps you get through it on the other end if you look at things from that perspective but if you're kind of got your head down and you're looking at things in a negative way it makes the whole thing a lot harder I think yeah and you've also got to you've also got to take things step by step like obviously you've got your goal your goal is to get through the canyon and then come out and you know get back to the car the whole goal of the day is everyone has a great day and we all get home safely and we know it's going to be a tough day, but we take it stage by stage. We don't think about how hard the walk's going to be. You know, we'll we'll just tackle little parts of it at a time and just try to enjoy the great parts of the day. And the parts that aren't so great, which is the how tough it is, can actually be enjoying too. If you just put yourself right there and just think of the little things, just take it stage by stage. Don't get overwhelmed by, you know, this is going to be an eight hour day and it's going to be really hard. It's, it's, it's going to be an eight hour day, but it's going to be super fun and you just got to appreciate what you're doing right then and right there. And I think that's the best way to get through those sorts of things. That's the best way to get through anything, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. And um, in regards to, so you mentioned canyons in Italy before and we're talking a little bit about the Blue Mountains. I, I just went through South America and I went through a few smaller ones. I've, I've been canyoning in Japan, did a couple of small ones there as well. There's nothing, nothing's really been as much of a highlight as Butterbox, to be honest with you, because of all the information and because of the canyon itself. Um, and Switzerland, the one we just spoke about earlier. Are there any others that you could recommend that are kind of on that level that are going to push me a little bit more? Because I've been looking around. I know New Zealand's got some stuff, um, some canyons that were discovered recently, fairly recently, a couple of years ago um, by, by a bunch of guys. And I'm trying to look around and see where I can do some more canyoning that's kind of really, you know, a little bit more extreme, but at the same time kind of beautiful. 
Uh, and I just wanted to see you. I thought you'd be the best person to ask. Uh, yeah, the South Island of New Zealand's great. There's some beautiful canyons. I've done a little bit of stuff around the, um, you know, the Haas Pass, Mount Aspiring, uh, around Queenstown and Glenorchy. They're, they're great. If you're looking for something that's a little bit more exciting, then you've also you've always got like Robinson's Canyon down at Haast, uh, Wilson's Creek. So down just a little bit past Wanaka, you'll get to the Haast area and sort of in Mount Aspiring National Park and you'll find some really, really nice canyons in there. And they're all typically guided as well. Um, you know, it's very difficult because guiding groups will generally not take the general public into the more, you know, big committing, more dangerous sort of areas. Like some of the canyons we've done in Glen Orkey are, you know, 34 abseils with no chance of escaping the canyon at all. So it's not really worth a company taking the general public in there because it's quite dangerous, you know. So yeah, so not yeah, I noticed that not a lot of companies really go to canyons that are a bit more extreme. They kind of stick to the easier ones because that's what appeals to most people, especially if they're just dipping their toes into the sport. But how do you actually get a guide to take you somewhere else? Then what's the what's the method like? Is there a certain place you should, I should be looking? Or so there is over in Ticino in Switzerland, you can do some of the bigger canyons out there. Uh, you, you sort of got to, you sort of got to prove yourself, but you got to go into a canyoning trip and, you know, show your keen or at least show them you've got some experience. Like, you know, tell them oh, I've done Butterbox in, in the Blue Mountains and I've done, you know, whatever other canyons you've done around the world. And, you know, say you've been in a high water canyon in Chislera and, you know, you might be able to do something a little bit more technical like Arunya or Ladrino, which is my favorite canyon. Um, and What's that I know called, Madrino? Uh, Ladrino. Uh, it's a canyon that's yeah really well renowned for its slides, its high water, big abseils, and they do they do guide it there. A canyon con- company called Ticino Adventures definitely take people in there. Uh, that it's sounds great. Obviously, very weather dependent. Yeah. And what's going on at the moment with you and the can, uh, the canyons in the mid north of New South Wales? And you mentioned that uh, you know you're you you do you you know you're working with a group to kind of uh, go through these canyons and the ones that were descended by Andy Rob. Yeah, so uh, I, I actually met Andy a few years back on a on a program I was doing with a school. He's a he's a, one of those mad dogs that were back in the day living in Coffs Harbour, so he's right near those like bigger canyoning systems in Australia. And he was going out doing you know, these wild trips. You hear about stories where he's descending down these big canyon flows and um, with you know primitive gear, you know little pitons, which is just a, a straight flat bit of metal with a with a ring in it, and they just hammer it into a crevice in a rock, and then they'd abseil off that and you know, he's doing these big flows. He, I remember him saying to us once, he actually had to take a pit on out of a rock. Um, then he went down the canyon a bit further, found another waterfall, hammered that pit on back into another rock. And then it was all, all that was there it was a bit wobbly and he just had to abseil gently. So it's really, you know, wild stuff those guys were doing. And we've actually been going out and trying to repeat some of the canyons that he did back in the day, which were really exciting. And it's when we got down there, we've gone down there with the 
the new canyoning te- technology, the new skills that have been learnt over the years, and it's just seeing some of the stuff that he was doing was, you know, it's just awe-inspiring. So, yeah, we've we've started to put together some video. We've got a videographer, um, a few of the guys we've been travelling over around the world with doing high water canyons, and we're basically repeating those canyons that he was doing. And then we found some new canyons as well that we're we're going to go down and try to do the first descent on, get the film on it, and make a, a short documentary about you know the old dogs that were canyoning back in the day and doing all these crazy trips, and then the new generation coming up and you know trying to repeat their their journeys and you know having a great time in the process, finding new canyons, and really just trying to get out that Australia has got really good, world quality whitewater canyons. Because we're not really renowned for it. That's that's more of a New Zealand and a, and a European Alps thing. And we do have great quality canyons. We're just trying to showcase that to the world. And it's been great. We've been managed to pick up a, a, a few really good canyoning sponsorships. And it's, the trip's going ahead at the end of August. So That sounds like mad fun. Like you guys are going to get out there and just do some exciting shit and film it and just have a great time. That sounds like a really good adventure, to be honest. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> really looking forward to it. It's something you don't get to do every day. So Definitely. What, where'd that idea come from? How did you come up with that? Uh, well, me and a friend, we found out about this canyon called Glenifer Falls. Uh, it was a canyon that Andy first ascended back in ni- 1995. Uh, Glenifer Falls, it's uh, yeah, a little town near um, Ballinger. Um, just a little bit east, um, sorry, a little bit west of uh, Coffs Harbour. And, yeah, we've seen lots and lots of people attempt the canyon but never actually get down it or, you know, actually get down the full flow of the canyon. Plenty of people have got to the top and just gone, no, that's too much water and it's too steep. And we found a little, you know, write-up on the internet about, this trip that people had done back in 1995 where they'd actually descended the full canyon. It was the only information we could get on it. So anyway, it ended up being Andy. Andy was the guy that did it. And we're assuming that, well, we're pretty sure that no one's actually done the full descent since he's done his originals descents back in the day. So yeah, we got in contact with him and had a little bit of a chat. Um, he gave us a couple of little bit of details, but he never actually gave us the full story about what the canyon's like because he wanted to leave that sense of adventure there for us. So, yeah, we went out. We gave it a go. First day we went to the top of the canyon um, and we actually blew out two drill bits on the first first anchor and decided it was just too dangerous to go out there because we didn't have enough gear after that. So the next day we went and got 12 drill bits because um, these canyons have no no natural anchors, and if you're going to actually go down there and use the old gear, it's it's super super dangerous. So yeah, we we put a so bit the of anchors are what you put into the side of the rocks so that you can rappel down, and they kind of hold your life in their hands. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you you definitely want to make sure you you're doing good anchors. So what we do is we'll drill a hole into the rock, um, and then we'll in this sort of rock, this is basalt, so it's very, very hard rock, so we can use expansion bolts. And you're you banging the expansion bolts in and then tightening them, tightening them up on 
um, a little bracket and the bracket's got a loop in it. It's called a hanger and you just clip into that hanger and you can abseil straight down the waterfall. But the only thing is you need to bring your drill through and you need to keep that drill dry during the whole trip because if you manage to drop your drill in the water, then you got yourself in a lot of trouble again. Yeah, it must be pretty tricky with all the camera gear to film a documentary as well to keep all that kind of safe and dry. Yeah, that's going to be super interesting. So I have done a little bit of camera work with different organizations. We filmed a a documentary for IMAX once, but we're just moving through canyons like Empress Canyon at that stage. So um, I do have a good idea on how to, you know, keep camera gear safe in canyons, but it's going to be an extra challenge doing canyons that, you know, drop 400 meters in a very short period of time with lots of water. Yeah, it sounds like it's a challenge in itself, let alone filming that on top of things. So it will get interesting, but I think that's all part of it, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, we're prepared to break gear. We've already talked about this. We've, we've decided that gear is definitely going to break during the trip. Um, so we, we, you know, it's just going to be worthwhile. You know, the, the idea is great. Um, we're all keen. We're all experienced. So we just think this is going to be a, a great adventure. So we think it's worth taking the risk of taking all the gear in there. Uh, we've put six people on the trip, so we, we need enough people to be able to carry ropes, to be able to carry the bolting kits, and to be able to carry the uh, the camera gear. So, Yeah, it sounds like you're you're really experienced at doing this and you know your stuff, and I'm sure the people you're going with do as well. So sounds like you're, you're covered on in that element of things. And um, as long as you're with the right people, you know, and you, and you guys are doing things responsibly and safely, like obviously you will be. I'm sure you'll get some amazing footage, man, and I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to check some of this stuff out and actually see see what what I'm hearing. Um, just because it's yeah, I'm really getting kind of mental images of just beauty and just like these massive drops. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I'd be definitely um, up for shooting you a link as soon as we have it all sorted out, and I'll let you know how it goes. I'll keep in touch with you about it. That sounds good. You're doing this for a living. You're you're going out into these beautiful places, and you're doing. It sounds like you're really living on purpose and living through what you're passionate about. Oh, mate, it's an absolute privilege to be able to go out into the bush and, and share it with other people, show them what I'm in, what I'm passionate about um, and be able to, you know, just be amongst nature every day. Um, I think the most rewarding thing is the actual being able to share it with other people because I can go and go canyoning by myself anytime I want to. But to actually be able to take people out, you know, have amazing experiences. I know there's been trips in the past that I've done with people that it's like literally changed their perspective on how they look at life. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's super great. And then the places that it takes you as well, the people you meet along the way. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have, to meet a great group of friends. Now we're all interested in the same thing. We've got the same passions. Um, and we've, we got the same goals. So, you know, just like we talked about going into the, into Northern New South Wales with friends and, you know, that's the best thing about canyoning, right? This, this is what I always loved was some things are, you know, about the adventure and, you know, about all this other sort of exciting stuff, but it's more about you going into an you know, a wild environment, you're going in there with your mates, you're all in there together, you're a team. And the idea is to have fun and, 
you know, do cool stuff, but it's also about just the camaraderie and, you know, going into places and getting out there, getting out together. Like you're all in it together. If you're a team, you know, it's just such a, a great thing. And I love being a part of it. I love guiding. I love the outdoors and, you know, I love showing that to people, to be honest. That's the, the most rewarding thing is just showing people, you know, the outdoors and the nature and what I'm actually passionate about. Yeah, I guess if you go in a direction, if you're following what you really are passionate about and you go deep enough in that direction, you're sure to meet like-minded people that you can learn and grow off and, and form this this type of camaraderie you're talking about. And it must be so beautiful being able to give that back to people and showing people kind of what it's all about and it's something that you know so well, you know, people might not have any idea that this kind of beauty even exists or these kind of adventures are being had. So for you to be able to give back and teach some people about nature, teach some people about the bush and kind of impart your knowledge on the next generation, I think that's that must be really rewarding and it's important. It's important to find a way that we can all kind of serve so that we can, you know, feel like we're giving back and and the knowledge isn't just being learned it's actually really being passed on i was reading about that thought in a book i'm i'm, uh, I'm reading at the moment so a letters letters uh to a stoic it's a, a book by seneca and it's like old ancient kind of philosophy like mm-hmm. Ro- roman philosophy and it talks about uh it really talks about this idea of passing on your knowledge instead of just holding it to yourself and the value of knowledge and how much that grows and i'm sure you know, you're learning lessons through the people that you take out as well and you're learning more about things by teaching it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you just got to find something you love. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, obviously my love's the outdoors. Someone might be, you know, into cars or, you know, they love playing sport. You just got to find that thing that you love the most and you got to get out there and do it. You know, otherwise... You know, you, you just don't you, – you just need that purpose, you know, that purpose in life. I don't think it's necessarily has to be canyoning or climbing or, you know, adventure. You just need to find that one passion, that something you love, or even if it's two or three passions, but you just need to be getting out there and doing it. Um, it's just super rewarding. And then, like you said and like I was saying earlier, share that with other people, you know. Don't force it, don't force it upon them or anything like that. But you just share what you know, especially when you – that's what the beauty about the guiding industry is, is the people are coming out to actually be part of that experience. So it's a really, really good way for me to, you know, show people about the thing that I love. And, you know, so, so I've developed I've, – I've got that outlet. Um, but I think I'm that's sure the, they're going back and showing, showing their – telling their friends and families about it as well. And, oh, and, and then their of, friends and family are coming out on trips as well because they, they see, you know, if they bring a GoPro in or they get photos, they've, they've got all that memory and they can show it to their friends and then their friends and family want to come out and be on an adventure as well. And it's just, you know, word of mouth is a bit, is a really good thing. And yeah, it, it's a, it's definitely a rewarding way to spend your day. Are there any, Anything in particular you wanted to share with people or are there any other kind of nuggets of wisdom that you've kind of come across or a message that you wanted to send out to people to really help them on their own growth journey? I think you can connect plenty of things together to be able to create 
you know, a great life for yourself. One of them was just what I was saying before, find what you love and do it. Um, and the other thing is find the people that can actually help you along the way and support you. It's been a really big learning curve for me from when I was a teenager and growing up with, you know, all sorts of different characters to now when I'm an adult and I've actually pursued my passion and found people that are interested in the same things I'm interested in. And that's just opened up a whole new world to me. I've learned so much more when it comes to not only nature, but canyoning, roping. And then we've been able to go around and, you know, go to places like New Zealand, go to places like, you know, the Alps, start to adventure new canyons in Australia. Um, and it's all just been because I put myself out there, you know. Um, I think that's what people need to do. Put yourself out there. You'll start to find people that start to that have the same interests and love the same things that you love. And your, your, your knowledge will grow. Uh, you will grow. Everything just will start to come into place. And it's all about that. just taking those first steps. My first steps were, you know, finding canyoning was a fluke but then actively pursuing canyoning and then deciding that I'm going to go do a tape course and become a guide. You know, it all started, I think it all started from there. When I first went to tape, I started meeting people that were just as passionate about this than I was. And yeah, it's, it's been a great six years of my life doing what I do. And I think everyone's got that option. You just got to go out there and find what you love, pursue it and, yeah, be open to learning as well. Cool. Thank you so much for the chat, Ryan. I really appreciate it, man. No worries, Mike. It was good to, good to talk to you again. Yeah, it was good to catch up. It's been quite a while. And I remember after, after the canyon, I'm relaunching the podcast now. So I thought, you know, you'd be a great person to just see if we could get you on again. Because I remember last time it was like, we were, we were mucking around with times and never kind of happened. But I'm so happy that, you know, you were able to make it on with me and have this chat because that was like one of the most memorable days of my life, to be honest, man. And and we had such a great time and we have so many memories for that whole trip in the Blue Mountains from like, you know, camping up the top to kind of going and seeing it from below as well. It's just incredible. Um, and I can't wait to share this with my mates that went that came on the trip, Jay and Eden. <laughs> They're oh, excellent. It. I'll tell them I said hi. No, definitely if you're ever in the Blue Mountains again, come, come hook us a line we'll go out and do another trip do another adventure be great to see you guys again 100% man it was like such an amazing trip thank you for tuning into another episode of the good people effect podcast I hope you enjoyed that chat with Ryan and I will put all the resources on the website goodpeopleeffect.com I encourage you to visit that so you can check out some of the awesome canyons that Ryan's spoken about also uh, consider joining the tribe I'm, I'm making an email list I'm building an email list of tribe members that I'm going to be sending exclusive content to once a month so free online courses um, you know different ways that you can grow re recommended reading lists different avenues that you can really expand the way you're thinking and change the way you're looking at things to hopefully um, you know help you grow so if you're interested in that there'll be contests free giveaways heaps of good stuff coming your way once a month so consider joining the tribe on goodpeopleeffect.com also just jump on there and say hello like i'm keen to hear from you guys i want to know who you are what you're up to and what you think of the show any ideas on how i can improve things always welcome so i love hearing from you guys so please consider 
you know, dropping me a line. But until next week, guys, have a really good one and uh, remember to smile.